0: Welcome to Breaking the Surface, where we break into a delicious beverage and also dive into the topic at hand. I'm one of your co-hosts, Taylor Kramer. I'm the owner and lead producer for Cold Shower Media.
1: I'm Pat Mulligan, I'm a journalist here in Traverse City.
2: And I'm another friend, I am Anthony Weber, and I am a pastor and an ethics teacher, and I am something of a fashion icon when it comes to oversized sweaters.
0: The point here is that we want to go beyond the talking points to get to the depths of what is happening in our world. It should also be said that this podcast is part of the Boardman Review Podcast Collective in collaboration with Cold Charm Media. The Podcast Collective aims to provide unique content curated by the Boardman Review, the Creative Culture and Outdoor Lifestyle Journal of Northern Michigan.
1: Welcome to episode 17 of Breaking the Surface. Uh, Just like last week, we are going to be doing this episode remotely today. So if you notice any changes in audio quality, we apologize, but um, it is that time of year where we're still dealing with some health issues and trying to be safe. So we're gonna do another recording by Zoom today. Um, And we're gonna be talking about some sports. And this is something I actually wanted to talk about. Um, I am a huge sports fan and I know- Taylor and Anthony, we've talked about sports um, somewhat in the past. And I know you're both um, fans of at least some certain teams and certain sports. So I was just really interested in talking about why we like sports. Um, We talk a lot about philosophy on the show. So I'm just kind of interested to hear from you guys about what draws you to sports, um, maybe any conflicts. I have some ethical conflicts, um, particularly with NFL. (laughs) I think about liking sports. So I just like to talk about things that I love and maybe ways I feel um, complicated by them and see what you guys think. So there were some big games this weekend. First of all, I just wanted to mention, I think Taylor, you and I, at least, I don't know if Anthony, you watched it, but there was a huge MSU Michigan game this weekend. That was really exciting. <laughs> Did you watch it, Taylor?
0: Oh yeah. And um, luckily my voice has healed up since, <laughs> since that game, I legitimately um, had some, some loss of voice. I was celebrating so loudly Um, throughout that game. And yeah, it was truly a historic matchup. It's the first time since I think the sixties, since they were both ranked in the top 10 and were meeting and they were both undefeated. And there was just a lot of importance in this game. I mean, they have aspirations of making the college football playoff, how real those aspirations are. We'll find out in the coming weeks, but it was a huge game. And um, I was so excited that Michigan state came out on top with a historic performance from Kenneth Walker, five touchdowns. Michigan defense has never given up that many touchdowns. And so for it to happen uh, from a Michigan state player, I was pleased to say the least.
1: Did you, uh, Anthony, I know you're an Ohio fan, but did you watch this game?
2: It's a, it's okay. If you say Ohio state fan, but okay. um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, it doesn't I roll off my this. tongue easily, but go on. <laughs>
2: Uh, yes, I did watch the game, and it was a fantastic college football game. Uh, because I'm an Ohio State fan, I was cheering for Michigan State because my rule is I only cheer for Michigan during bowl games because bowl games, Big Ten always gets my 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 vote. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I feel bad for Michigan fans because I understand it was a heartbreaking loss, but what a great college football game.
1: And for me, it really summed up, like, some of what I want to talk today because I was like you, Taylor. I was um – I don't always like get overly emotional during sports, um, but I was like jumping out of my seat watching this game. I was pacing. I was screaming at the team multiple times. It was such a roller coaster, especially like the last few minutes of the quarter where it was not like clear what the the score was tight. It was not clear what was going to happen. There were interceptions happening. It was just it was lots lots was going on. And it made me realize, I'm like, why am I so intensely emotional about this game? I don't know any of these people. I don't know any of these players. I didn't even, I do have a long time affiliation with MSU, but I did not graduate from MSU. So I'm not even an alumni. Um, But I just, it was so emotional. And there was something about that that made me want to talk to you guys about sports, about like, why do we have so much invested in games where we typically don't even know any of the players or people participating?
0: That is a great question. I guess I'll just speak for myself. I think it, it just, for me, I'm so invested because it started at such a young age. And I have certain memories that are ingrained from a young age that are circled around sports. And that was, you know, maybe just playing sports outside with friends, but also getting together with friends and, and, and my parents and their friends during some of these big games. So things like the Super Bowl. Um, I have a very distinct memory of the game that Michigan state beat Michigan in football when there was the last second touchdown to TJ Duckett. And there was a lot of back and forth about whether the clock should have started a little bit earlier or not. And at that young age, I remember just experiencing and witnessing this intense bitterness from Michigan fans after that loss. And I was yet to make a decision on which team I was going to root for. I mean, because if you're a resident of Michigan Um, for the most part, if you, we'll say if you were born in Michigan, um, then you have to pick one of those teams. If you're going to be, it's a rule. rule. (laughs) And I was still kind of trying to figure out which direction I was going to go. And when I experienced that bitterness from Michigan fans, I decided then and there that I will never, ever root for them to win in anything ever again. And (laughs) that's, that's now where I stand. And so (laughs) it's very easy for me to get invested in games like took place Saturday because I have friends on both sides of this aisle and it's just a lot of fun to have this kind of tribalism and this rivalry, um, sense this competition, the, the back and forth, the arguments and trying to, trying to state your position and why your team uh, deserves to win. I, I just, I really, really love it. And I've actually found in the last couple of years that I have a bit more of a balance where I can actually appreciate the competition that's taking place on the field. And while I still certainly favor one team over the other, um, I have a little bit more perspective on it and and understanding it. When I was 20 years old and I was watching this game with all my college friends, it quite literally felt like life and death. And now Mm -hmm. I have a little bit more uh, experience being in my 30s and saying like, yeah, it's really, really important that my team wins, but it's not all that matters. And I have to say that that sense actually kind of allows me to enjoy it a little bit more too.
1: What about you, Anthony? Where did um, where did the, especially the appreciation for what I call the Darth Vader of sports uh, come from with Ohio State with you?
2: <laughs> you know, OK, so when I lived in Columbus, um, obviously, you know, the Mecca, I remember when I lived there, I was in my teens and then early married. And there was this real excitement, especially on game day and especially if it was a home game, you could go downtown, go to any sports bar and it was just electric. right? It's that kind of it's one of those events where in a in a world that anymore is often very fragmented for lots of different reasons when you get a home court vibe even if you're not in the stadium there's something about that that really unites you almost with a city like i still remember the crazy feeling of driving through columbus and feeling like the whole city had this like electric momentum and i knew that there was millions of people or i've people in columbus could have cared less about the game because everybody's a sports fan, but it felt that way. My wife's a Seminole fan. She grew up in Tallahassee, probably 10, 15 minutes from the stadium. And when I was dating her, like getting together with her and her youth group to watch the games, uh, Taylor, you were mentioning life and death. It was hilarious. Like, yeah, they lived and died. And that's back when they were good. Um, <laughs> just to clarify, you know, something that I was thinking of, um, and talking with Taylor a little bit before we started recording was I was watching the articles after Saturday because Ohio State had a had a, a win that was closer than they would have hoped against Penn State. And so watching the rankings, Ohio State, if anything, might have dropped a spot. I think Michigan State um, leapfrogged them. And it was interesting for me to analyze my emotions about that because it bothered me. And then I'm so now I'm trying to ask myself the question why does something like this bother me? Like, I never went to Ohio state. Like (laughs) nobody involved in this is anybody that I know. And here I am feeling a little hurt and put out, maybe I should post something on Facebook about how unfair this is. And then I'm looking at the schedule and going, you know what, we're going to play Michigan state. We're going to play Michigan between Ohio state and Michigan state, whichever one wins out, probably, you know, you got to earn it. Right. But it was more interesting (laughs) to me to try to analyze Why on earth I cared enough to be emotionally invested to the point that I was ready to try to make a public argument in favor of this, and so it reminded me that I've actually been maybe on an opposite trajectory of well, I know this is not from a lot of people. I've been trying to unhook my emotions from sports for quite some time now because I I know that I used to get too emotionally involved in it. You know, an Ohio State loss might ruin my week. I'm trying to get it down to a mere hour or two <laughs>
1: uh,
2: and and finding that balance where um, Saturday game day for college football for my wife and I both, man, when noon hits, we are eating unhealthy snacks for the next 10 hours and parking our butts <laughs> on the sofa if we can. Um, and, and I love that. I really love that whole thing. I look forward to fall for college football for crying out loud and trying to figure out how you balance getting genuine enjoyment out of it. With um not letting it become a thing that, that carries more weight in your life than it ought to. What do you two think about that?
1: Yeah, I had I was thinking about this before we started recording. And I think I was kind of thinking of two things. I'd be curious to get your guys' thoughts. So I feel like there's maybe a biological component, and I feel like there's a cultural component. So the biological component would be: I've heard arguments made that, like, especially like modern men are really into sports because. They used to be like warriors for their tribe and they used to like have to hunt and gather and be all aggressive. And now they don't have anywhere to place that aggression. They're just like these neutered modern men who live in creature comforts and don't have any way to like express their manliness. And so sports is like the way that they do that. And I don't, first of all, really like that narrative because it's really rooted in the man's perspective of sports and millions and millions of women play and enjoy sports, Um, But I do think there could be an evolutionary truth to that, which is I do think humans, both male and female, are sort of wired for competitiveness. I think that's just like an evolutionary thing. If you know there's only so many resources, you had to be competitive in the past. Um, I think there's something about that that we like. And I also think there's something we're drawn to in terms of like expressions of excellence or you know, measuring our fitness within the tribe, measuring how we measure up and sort of what our places. And we do this by proxy with our teams, you know, like how do our teams measure up to the other teams and we're identifying with those teams. So there's that. But I also think just what Taylor said, um, the cultural component would be, I think, especially if you played sports as a kid or if your parents played sports, like my dad played hockey and softball and I would go to his games and just this sort of I think nostalgia that would build as a little kid of like seeing your dad compete and being under the bright lights and the popcorn and just like all of these things that were exciting about sports as a kid. And then I also played um, volleyball and basketball and softball myself. So there are a lot of components of sports like team building, learning to work cooperatively with other people, physical fitness, all these things that I think are really good um, for kids especially and to continue to care about as adults. But I do agree with you, Anthony, that like, as an adult, trying to process it um, in an emotionally healthy way, especially when there are a lot of ethical conflicts Mm -hmm. within sports that have power and money, which are two things we've talked about on the podcast before that tend to be corrupting. Mm -hmm. Um, And also just for me, I also like to gamble. (laughs) So you can illegally, you can legally now bet on a lot of sports. Mm -hmm. So. I have to be careful not to get too caught up in sports betting, which I also love to do, but yeah, there's just a lot going on there. I guess I'd be curious to get your guys' thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, I was, um, yeah, I love what you were talking about in terms of having played sports yourself growing up and Anthony, I know you did too. How many kind of valuable things can be taught through sports. And so my wife was an excellent athlete in high school as well. And it's interesting as we talk about, um, if there's a future with, with children involved, what, what do we want them to get involved in? And a lot of it, yeah, seems to maybe have less to do with specific sports. Like, of course, I would love for them to play basketball or, or another sport that I really enjoy watching. Um, But where can they get some of the, what other activities can they get involved in? If it's not sports where they can learn some of the same lessons that sports might teach you. And that leads me to competition because uh, I personally am a huge fan of competition. And, um, to the point where uh, my family is growing up is almost scarily competitive. Like I think some people from the outside would, would walk in and see, you know, the way we were playing a board game or ping pong or foosball or whatever it was and be like, this is not, uh, normal. And they weren't wrong. Um, but I still,
2: why do you get guns out from an (laughs) office?
0: But I, I love that. I love I've always loved competition. And now as a, as an adult, it's even like if we're if we're playing board games with friends and you can kind of tell that there's one person in the group who is a little nonchalant and they don't really care if they win or not. I'm like, well, this isn't fun anymore. Like, why why don't you want to win? If we're going to keep score, then you might as well just try to win. Otherwise, don't even play. And I don't know how healthy that is necessarily. But as I've gotten older, I think I have been able to maneuver through like a healthy sense of competition. It's it's keeping me um, vibrant and alive and excited for what I'm doing, but also not to the point where I'm maybe losing relationships or, as Anthony said, an entire week because um, Michigan fans on my Twitter feed are are spouting off after they may have won a game or something.
1: I do think if you over-identify, and then I want to have Anthony jump in, but I do think if you over-identify with sports, it can become unhealthy for sure. And I'm the same way as you are, Taylor. And it's even more complex for me because I'm a girl and a woman, I guess. And you're not supposed to be, you know, it's not something that's necessarily prized in women to be like aggressive and competitive. It's more like smile and sit on the sidelines, like stereotypically at least. Um, and so I've always loved, like, I've often been the only woman playing like flag football with my high school friends, you know, or like, I've just always been in those spaces and I loved it, but I am so competitive that I am a very terrible loser. (laughs) And I know like, I've come to realize like me screaming or cursing or thinking that I think for me, it was because I grew up in a lot of poverty and I had a lot of, self-doubts about myself. And when I played basketball or I played softball, like that was a way of like putting the rich girls in their place or like showing like I was just as good as other people. And so the competitiveness went deep into like who I was and my value as a person. And it was like, I have to be the best at this to show like I'm worthy. And I have still carried that into adulthood. So that's where I think it gets unhealthy. Is like, if you think your value is defined by how good you perform, and we see this with professional athletes all the time, if they get injured or they go through a spot where they're mentally not there and they can't pitch all of a sudden, or um, what happened to Simone Biles at the Olympics, you know, getting the twisties, what happens to your identity if you're overly wrapped in proving yourself through your fitness or competitiveness? And Anthony, I want to let you weigh in.
2: Yeah. Cause I'm thinking back on the athletic things I've done. I mean, I played basketball in high school and, Oddly enough, played in a prison league for several years without actually going to prison, just to clarify. Um, And then probably my most competitive stuff was back in my CrossFit days, actually. And I always felt like competition with sports did two things. One was it reveals you uh, and then also it forms you. So it does both of those simultaneously. And I I wonder if one thing that appeals to us about sports in terms of playing it is we often wonder, what will I do when the going gets tough? What will I do when I'm under pressure? And while there are lots of other ways to figure this out, sports is a way where you go, okay, the game's on the line. How will I respond to that? Um, You know, the, the competition looks overwhelming. Will I crumble or will I see it as an opportunity to give it my best, win or lose? And then, so, so you learn something about yourself. You learn also whether you're a good winner or a good loser or bad at both those things. Now, As a basketball coach, which I did for years, I realized pretty quickly, you have to coach people how to win sometimes as much as you have to coach them how to lose. Um, because, uh, okay, we could have a whole episode about that. But then the other thing is how it shapes you. Like you have to make decisions. If your coach gets in your face because you were an idiot, you have to make a decision about how you'll respond to that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so while I think there are plenty of other ways in life that we can also face those kinds of things, I think ideally sports allows you to to have those things happen as you play. Here's a question I have, um, Taylor and Beth. And one of it is, why do we see sports competition as a way to measure our value or worth? Beth, you just talked about how uh, playing volleyball and, and you noted that there was something you had to wrestle with was a, a way to like gauge I'm with these other, all these other people who are seen as perhaps more successful or better. But I can prove myself because I'm better at volleyball. And I really felt like I wrapped a lot of my identity up in basketball for years. Like there was something I connected. If I'm good at basketball, then that validates me. And I remember when I started dating my wife, we were Bible college. And I was playing intramural stuff (laughs) and this is embarrassing to even tell this story. I would get so bothered when she wouldn't come and watch me play basketball. Like, like, do you realize, do you not realize how good I am? Like I am poetry in motion. How could you not come watch me play basketball and be impressed by this guy that you like? And I remember Sheila basically giving me the big shrug of the shoulders, like Anthony, it doesn't matter to me how good you are at basketball and processing that was a crazy thing like um yeah so i i wonder what it looks like it, it's just made me curious why is it that we associate certain things with a validation of who we are because in the overall scheme of things and i say this is the guy who loves sports sports seems like a terrible way to gauge the validity of our lives and yet i think we're inclined to do it even the teams that we cheer for like we want to be associated with a winning team that can move a ball a hundred yards across the field. How on earth, right? So Unless you're a Detroit that's Lions fan. <laughs> <laughs> True. Then it's maybe 10 yards per <laughs> possession. Um, yeah. So that's actually something that fascinates me and I don't quite know the answer to it. I'm curious what the two of you think about that.
0: I, yeah. I'm not sure that I know the answer either. I'm just thinking back to uh, when I was, competitively playing sports in high school. And then again, in college, I wasn't a traditional college athlete, but did a lot of the intramural things. And at one point, uh, in my first couple of years, college was playing like six to seven days a week, oftentimes with the college basketball team. And I did, you know, identify myself as I was the basketball guy and, um, winning and losing had a lot to do with that. And so I think that the transition maybe I've been able to make is to uh, see less value in winning and maybe more in just identifying myself as a competitor and maybe more as a competitor with character. And so how am I, how am I competing in what way am I competing? Uh, what, what are people going to think of me as I'm competing and after what, what impressions am I leaving? I guess, as opposed to solely judging myself off of, off of winning and the, the thing that always comes to mind. So my, my grandparents were definitely helped form the competitiveness in our family. And so much. In fact, here's a quick story about my grandma, Vicky. So when I talk about ping pong, um, she lived right next door, lives right next door to my, to my parents. And so anytime after Thanksgiving dinner, people are starting to say like, all right, let's get double steam going here for ping pong. She would run home, put on a headband, sweatbands, ankle braces. I kid you not and return. And she was just as good as anybody else. And at one point, She was going for a ball that was a little bit out of reach. And she put her head through the drywall. (laughs) She continued to play after that. That's the type of person she was. Now her husband, my grandpa, Larry is also very competitive, but he has, uh, maybe not quite the same psychotic approach to competition. So, um, (laughs) he was my golf coach in high school. Now basketball was my number one thing. I probably spent 90% of my time on basketball, 10% on golf. And anytime I would get frustrated in golf and think about throwing a club or slamming it down or whatever, he would say, Taylor, you're not good enough to get mad. And what he means by that is that I have not put the time in to be deserving of judging myself harshly on that sport. Mm. Now, if it were basketball and I was shooting anything less than like 85% from the free throw line, I had a reason to judge myself harshly because... I was shooting hundreds of free throws a day. And that's something that has really, really stuck with me throughout my life is what things am I actually putting effort in and what am I not putting effort in, but then, you know, convincing myself that I still should be deserving of certain results. I don't know if that answers the Mm. question, but I'm more interested in how I'm viewed as a competitor um, as opposed to how I'm viewed as, as a winner. And I don't even mean that in the traditional sense of competition but just how do I tackle a project at work? You know, how how is that playing out in in my adult life?
1: Yeah, to your to your question Anthony. I mean, I think I think it matters so much because it matters culturally <laughs> and we start that <clears throat> emphasis young and then of course when we get to the university level, I mean we've talked before about the NCAA, but obviously there's a huge premium on sports. There And it kind of continues through the professional world. So if culture says like, this is important and this is who's popular and this is who we admire, it would make sense that that's who we'd want to be and associate with. But to your point, is that the best measuring stick? Probably not. And I think what I'm interested in is, I see now so many ethical issues that are coming up starting at the young sports level. For example, you know, the conversations about is football even an appropriate sport for kids to be playing, given the head injuries that can occur from it, um, especially when their brains are still forming, when we see what it happens at the adult level? Um, I've also you know, seen things like here in Michigan in the last year, we've had cases of teams making racist remarks to each other and getting disqualified in Michigan high school sports. Um, I've heard of teams, you know, coaches encouraging their players not to get tested for COVID so that they don't get disqualified from playing like in championship games. I mean, these are all like major ethical issues. You have hazing issues that happen even at the high school level. I mean, people get assaulted, there's pressure to drink. So there are a lot of negative connotations that can go with sports also. And I try to wrestle with those and not even getting into the NFL and issues of domestic violence and I just, there are so many, it's, I think that's why I'm interested in it, though. There are so many cultural and ethical implications that happen in sports. And I'm interested in what Taylor said, which is for me, I'm at the point where I'm not like an athlete anymore. I know you're still doing CrossFit and some stuff. Anthony. Oh, I'm not. No, no, I'm not. You're not anymore. Okay.
2: What glory days have passed me by.
1: <laughs> and I've seen Taylor, you post some of your workout videos and stuff. I'm not in that place. I, mean, I live a pretty sedentary life. I do a lot of like trivia bar game kind of competition now. So it's in a different place and then just rooting for a sports teams. <laughs> but what I am trying to work through is how I continue to support like college and professional sports, despite those ethical issues I just brought up. Like, how do I wrestle with that? What is my participation and it mean for that power complex? And then two, I need to, I still like competition, any kind of competition, even as like a trivia night, still for me exposes a lot of my insecurities and my anger issues. And like, I like your idea, Taylor, of like using this prism of even how we root for sports, like whether we taunt other people who like different teams or whatever, of just trying to be a better person in the way that I participate in sports.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I like that distinction, Beth. I think there's a difference between rooting for a team to succeed versus rooting for another team to fail, mm-hmm. and I even see it at a high school level when you see competition between schools. And let's grant high, <laughs> high schoolers aren't yet grown, and they get caught up in the moment. And you'll often hear, you know, I hate it when I'm in a game and a team is losing, and it's winding down, and one side starts cheering, na 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 na, hey, like, like, come on, guys, you know, act like you've been here before, kind of thing just win it and shake hands and, and walk off. And I wonder if part of it is just the culture around sports that from the top down. So this is coaches, parents, athletic directors, referees, you name it. It, it is, there's a focus that goes to let us play our best and then win or lose with class. And what we're looking for is applauding success versus applauding failure which might seem like uh, playing with words, but I do think there's an important, and there's a difference in the mindset that you have.
1: I think as an example, just a, like, a quick example. So like the World Series is happening right now and the Braves and the Astros are in that series. And the Astros, you know, had this huge cheating scandal within the last couple of years. Um, and my partner is a Dodgers fan. The Dodgers sadly got eliminated um, by the Braves this year, but um, he still has this <laughs> against the Astros for this cheating scandal because it probably denied the the Dodgers a championship and I think like issues like that like they're personal but they also like they are compelling to us because we have had these experiences in our own lives like we've dealt with cheaters Mm -hmm. in our own lives we've dealt with people who rig the system and it doesn't feel fair and all of these things happen in sports in ways that I feel like are just metaphorical to us like they resonate I mean they're real they're really happening in the world and the Astros should be penalized for cheating. Um, but it also, I think it has a deeper resonance because we're also trying to wrestle with like what we think about cheating or think about these issues in our own lives.
0: Yeah. And I think sports, we as fans hope that within the lines on the field or on the court, that the best person and the best team is supposed to win without any help from cheating or even officiating, which is almost impossible to to have happen. But there's so for me, I feel like there's so few times in life where things actually are like a fair playing field that I want to see it on the field or on the court or on the diamond. And when, when it doesn't happen, um, then yeah, it it, it seems like that the sanctity is lost in some way.
2: In sports, you're going to have a winner and you're going to have a loser, right? I mean, or in competition, but let's stick with sports. Somebody wins, somebody loses. But now I try to think of my life outside of sports. So let's just take my marriage. Um, My goal is not to be the winner in our marriage, right? Which would make my wife the loser. My goal is for both of us to win. Like I'd like our marriage to be a win-win. And then I think of what I do at church. Or if you're a business owner, your goal isn't to win and have somebody else lose. Your goal is to simply be successful. And you would actually hope, I would think with a good business model that the owner and the employees are all in some sense winning. And you're not there to drive some other business out of the market. Um, you just want to be successful. So what I one thing I wonder is in a culture that is deeply embedded in sports, is it possible that we take a winner-loser mindset out of the sports world? And if we're not careful, begin to apply it in other areas of our lives.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think that it definitely encourages tribalism, uh, sports does. And I think that can be good or bad. Um, you know, Anthony, given your example, like, I think it's it's certainly more healthy to like, think of you and your wife as being teammates on the same team yeah. and the goal being the success of the marriage that you're working together as a, as a team on. And I think that could be true of the workplace or your family or whatever it is that it's not adversarial, it's collaborative. Um, And you could probably pull some helpful sports metaphors over into those areas about how you treat your teammates or how you work with your your teammates. But I do I think it's a good question, because I think we've certainly seen it in the political arena in the last couple of years that the idea is like we're against each other. It is very divided into tribes and we're very invested in the failures of the other side and wanting to trumpet those failures and calling them losers or any of the kind of language we use. I mean, Trump certainly did not help with that because he lives in a world of winners and losers, and that's entirely the way he sees the world. So when you have a president who thinks that way, it makes the country kind of reflect that for a time. But he was just tapping into something I think is already there. And I would love to hear Taylor's thoughts, but I think you raise a good question that I think sports and politics both prize that winner takes all attitude. And I do think that that can trickle into other areas of our life in unhealthy ways if we're taking the wrong messages from it.
2: And in sports, one of the most frustrating things is a tie. Yeah. We right. want there to be a clear person or team who is better than the other. Looking one.
1: at you, soccer. Yeah. It's not satisfying.
0: Yeah. yeah. You're a big Ted Lasso fan. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I would like to see. And and I think actually the times when I've had the most fun around watching sports or engaging in sports, win or lose, is when we both sides can kind of rally around the fun that exists surrounding competition or a big game. And so one of my best friends, I was telling Anthony before we started recording, he was actually on um, on the the stream of the game. When Michigan had fumbled the handoff, I think in the third quarter, third or fourth quarter and Michigan state recovered. And he was wearing a Charles Woodson, Michigan Jersey. And he was in, at Spartan stadium and he closed his eyes and was just, they, they caught him closing his eyes and nodding his head in frustration. And I was so happy that it was one of my best friends. And his moment of frustration was caught on live national television. Now. He is a really, really You're good sport. To sweat a little bit, even as you tell <laughs> I know, us this, Taylor. <laughs> I, I was very happy, and I told him that that he made my entire day. But he he's a very good sport, and we were able to have conversations about the game itself. And he shared on social media his experience of wearing a Michigan jersey and being in East Lansing for tailgates, and then the subsequent walk to the stadium. And he had some really bad things to say about his experience, and it was it was really sad because here we are, we're, we're all living in the state of Michigan. And he had people just because he was wearing a different color Jersey, um, telling him to F off, even threatening him, like, I'm going to kill you all, all crazy kind of things where he's just like, I was having so much fun with my friends at our tailgate, most of which were Michigan state fans. And then as soon as I step out of that bubble, I'm judged by the outside world and is having his life threatened, uh, strangely enough, regarding the jersey he's wearing. And so that's not a great picture of of uh, competition and people spending time around competition. But in a perfect world, we can all kind of bond over this shared experience of rooting for a team and supporting players that are out there giving it their all. Um, I know we only have about four minutes left on this. But the one thing that I wanted to mention is that what's interesting about Michigan in particular, the state of Michigan, is that we have these different parties that are that are rooting for Michigan State and then rooting for Michigan. And we disagree and we fight like cats and dogs over that. And then on Sunday, we all get together around our television and watch <laughs> the Lions get creamed by, you know, 40 points. And um, that is like almost a strange way to heal, I think, that we that we use here in
1: I was gonna actually. I know we're. Yeah, I was gonna say. I know we're wrapping up, but that was gonna be my last point, which is just like (laughs) one you mentioned with your friend. I know Anthony had shared a story before too about visiting uh, uh, another team wearing the opposite team's jersey when you run a trip, Um, and what that experience was like. I would just say my thing, my takeaway, maybe about sports is like use it as a reflection on you of like work you need to work on with yourself and how you're reacting to sports and make sure like that's healthy and, and not be afraid to wrestle with the ethical implications of sports. But two, I think it is very humbling and very good as a sports fan to Root for a team that's bad and that constantly loses. Cleveland's had some of those experiences, but we've definitely had them here in Michigan. And I think it's actually quite humbling to watch the Lions just get absolutely destroyed by everyone in the NFL every week. And so, if you can find a losing team to root for, it just kind of brings you back to a place of humility and, and a little bit of fun.
0: Yeah, you'll be you'll be of <laughs> higher character if you're rooting for yeah, a team like the Lions. That's for sure
2: yeah if you want to build your character, we would invite you to join us as lion yeah. fans this year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it should be I, I should be wrap up. I want I just thought it was a fun conversation. I know we've gotten into some heady conversations, but I do think sports is just so interesting and culturally important and metaphorical of so many things that we wrestle with. It was fun to talk to you guys about your experiences with it and yeah. I would, again, doesn't have to be the Lions, but find a losing team and get invested in them emotionally to help keep you balanced.
0: Mm-hmm. And I would encourage listeners to go back and check out the episode that we did on college athletes being paid. We're, we're into the the seasons where that's happening we have athletes that are signing, you know, endorsement deals with big companies or even small time car dealerships and things like that in whatever city they might be in. And we talked a lot about the ethics of that, of, of college sports, as well, and so I think it's it's worth people going back and revisiting that episode if they haven't heard it.
1: Okay, so thanks a lot for listening to this week's episode. We appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. You can find us on social media again. We're also part of the Boardman Review podcast, and we will see you guys on the next episode.